Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast episode, and I'm really excited about today's guest, Katie McManus. She's actually going to come from a very interesting angle in slant as an ADHD business strategist and money mindset coach. So we're going to talk about, I love all things marketing, social media, how to use ADHD in a good and how to manage it, as well as meditation, manifestation. I think uh, for the audience out there, the entrepreneurs uh, are really going to love this episode. So Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Yeah. So um, we met through, we connected through Podmatch and tell people about your story, your background, and uh, you know, we'll jump right into it. Yeah. So I am a classic career hopper. I think that's really common with people with ADHD. Um, I really just struggled to figure out what my calling was, what I should be doing for work. Um, I was, I had kind of the golden handcuffs that I think a lot of ADHDers have is that like, we're good at things really fast. Right. And so, um, I found myself, I, I was a sommelier. I was an actress. I taught knitting. I was in sales for a bunch of different industries and I was really good at all of them. Depending on how good the career was, I ended up staying for way longer than I should have. Um, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a coach. I always wanted to help people, you know, in a very, very direct way, just live a better life in some way, shape or form. Um, And it actually took me getting into a really serious car accident in 2017, and I had a mild traumatic brain injury. Um, And I had to be off work for about eight months, and I finally went to coach training and started my business. It's been a wild five and a half years, and I... um, I will say that starting a business for me was kind of like a dance with the universe. I had to get up and I had to like choose a niche. Um, And I started off actually being a dating coach for men in San Francisco, which I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco. Have you? Oh, I, yeah, I go, I go there. All, I mean, not recently. I heard the city's on a downturn, but uh. it is. <laughs> but in downturn or not, dating has never been easy there. So <laughs> I decided I was going to just do this this service for all of uh, straight womankind uh, in San Francisco and become a dating coach for the men there. I got one dude. One dude is a client and the rest of my clients were women and they all, except for one, really needed help with like executive coaching and how they were, you know, being at work and setting boundaries around uh, their time and everything. And so I I kind of evolved into a leadership coach. Um, And then all my coaching friends kind of turned to me and they're like, wait a minute, how did you do that? 
Like, how are you getting clients? How are you marketing yourself? How are you like selling anything? And I had taken my whole background in sales and all these different careers that I'd had. And I just kind of like found this system and started applying it. And I started showing it to other people and it worked. And I realized I liked that better. Like I felt like I was teaching alchemy <laughs> in a certain way. Um, and then of course, throughout this whole process as I'm building my own business and helping other people build their businesses, I'm realizing I had this really messy relationship with money. And so I had to really come to grips with where I had limiting beliefs around money. And as I was doing the work, I kind of turned around and was doing the work with my clients. And it's it's become a, a major transformational piece of what I do with my clients today. <laughs> Does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. You know, can talk, talk about this later, but it's quite interesting because, you know, there's these little industry. Uh, now it's more like it's like finance and then there's diet and there's self-help and you know manifest and so all these it's quite interesting how these um you know you have these different skill sets and you can apply them to different industries you know you right. you started out in the um you know the dating industry or some people start on fitness or diet yeah. but you were gonna say something Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's so I think I think we get down a road and we realize like you're helping them with one thing, but it's actually something completely different. And like, I think the goal with everything is you want I mean, for me, I think it was always help people have more freedom and flexibility and be more empowered in their life. Um, and it just kind of pivoted into a different direction of how we go about doing that. Right. You know, if you're dating and you're really confident in who you are and you find the right partner, that's really empowering. That gives you a lot of freedom and flexibility. Right. So I think I think it's a com it's very common in the personal development and manifestation space to kind of change roads, but not destination. Yeah, that's yeah, quite interesting. And, um, you know, I love talking about this idea. I love in more more and more. I talk about entrepreneurs and they talk about how either they want freedom or they want to build something themselves. And, um, you know, eventually they understand that their path to freedom is creating something. And um, so I so you talk about um, what's really interesting is I've never had a guest talk about ADHD and how it's help them in their business. You know, yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Well, so ADHD, do you have ADHD by chance? I, I may have a little bit, but I, it's not. Okay. Yeah. You, so you would be very confident <laughs> if you did. So um, <laughs> folks with ADHD, like we talk a lot about the weaknesses of ADHD, like very distracted, might have a hard time regulating emotion, you know, jumping from things, but like the cool thing about people with ADHD is we go through these really like deep periods. They could be long, they could be short of hyper focused, right? Mm. We get hyper fixated on a specific topic or just an interest, right? We then kind of burn out on that interest usually. And then we move on to something else, but we don't lose that knowledge, right? Yeah. So for instance, like one of the most pivotal careers that I ever had that has helped me to this day, the most, more than anything else I've ever learned was honestly teaching knitting. Right. Because, hmm. you know, I was teaching beginning knitting. So basically people were coming to me with two sticks and a piece of string <laughs> and being like, cool, how do I make this into fabric? And so and I'd have a group of like eight to ten women, usually women. There are no dudes in my class. Um, they were welcome if they ever wanted to sign up. But anyway, I'd have to teach them, like, how do you do this? And some people needed metaphor. And some people needed me to give really specific, detailed instructions. Other people needed me to, like, show them, um, you know, myself. Other people needed me to guide their hands. Um, and learning how to, like, jump in and out and teach in all these different ways, I apply that every single day in what I do now. 
right? Because every single one of my clients learns in a different way, right? And they may learn like sales in one way, but marketing in another, you know? So like being able to make this whole experience program, I mean, that knowledge is is just, it's, it's something that I'm so grateful that I learned early on. Um, folks with ADHD have a way of connecting the dots in areas that are completely different in a way that I think find it, it helps them come to solutions that most people wouldn't get to. Um, I have one client who um, is a lawyer. He's a litigation attorney. He's absolutely incredible. And he has ADHD. The way he finds solutions for his clients is way outside the box usually. But honestly, it's thanks to his ADHD because he's constantly ping-ponging from this topic, that topic. Oh, we can take, you know, this case um, from the cannabis industry and we can apply it to this business here, you know, or this employment law thing kind of loop-de-loops back to this um, legal standard over here. I don't really know legalese. But the way he finds different solutions for his clients is just so creative and innovative. I mean, that's one of the major superpowers of ADHD entrepreneurs. The other thing is like we have we... I hate to say this because it's a big stigma around ADHD. We mm. get called lazy a lot. We're masters of procrastination, right? And mm -hmm. it's usually because like, you know, we don't want to start the thing. The, the starting is the hardest part. But what ends up happening is we find really clever ways to do things in shorter periods of time more effectively. Right. Mm. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business and you're the one person who's like wearing all the hats, spinning all the plates, responsible for all the parts of the business, it's really important to be able to find the fastest, most effective way to do most things. And that's yeah. when when ADHD person becomes an entrepreneur and finds ways to tap into those powers, that is where they become unstoppable. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And so, uh, you know, that brings, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they're they uh have some component of like some of them i talked to they have asperger and then mm -hmm. um some of them uh you know are afflicted with bipolar but like there's like these extreme periods of like super focused and like really creative ideas new and then um they just have to manage the ups and downs uh it's really interesting this adhd basically ping and different uh make new connections um in faster ways uh you know perfect for entrepreneurs one thing i one question is from the audience, um, you know, it's like a medical audience and they talk about ADHD. And so, you know, uh, for example, meditation, stress management and manifestation, you know, without medication and how that you can tap into that, uh, that ability. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think for everyone, everyone with ADHD, it's different, right? For me, meditation works really well. I'm a, a practitioner of transcendental meditation. Um, I have been since college on and off throughout the years. Um, I don't medicate. Honestly, I will get a prescription for Ritalin and I honestly just forget to take it and then it expires. I think a lot of people with ADHD experience the same thing, but I find exercise is really important for me. Um, when I don't exercise, my mind kind of gets a little nuts and runs away with me. Um, and my anxiety tends to, um, like skyrocket when I haven't gotten my, my, um, my heart rate up. I also find alcohol. Last year, I made the very conscious decision to stop. I was a very social drinker, you know, didn't have a problem with it, but it didn't impact me well. You know, like I would have one glass of wine with dinner and the next two days, I would, my anxiety would be spiked. And I think that's really common with people with ADHD. Um, mm. You know, there are basic self-care things that are really important when you have ADHD that make a massive impact on how productive and generative you're going to be in your business. Mm. Um, 
you know, and I think the combination is different for everyone, but it kind of follows like the same guidelines. So like movement is one time in your or time in your own mind, whether it's meditation or going for walks in the woods or doing a hobby, that is going to be really important as well. Um, and then of course, like nutrition and hydration, you mm. know, <laughs> like ask someone with ADHD, when's the last time they had a glass of water? I bet they're like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, that's why I have like all my drinks right here. I have my coffee. I have my sparkling water. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and how, 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 how about manifestation? Like, um, cause, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, healing your, the trauma with money, you know, getting, yeah. um, talk about that. Yeah. So I think, um, Manifestation is a tricky one for people with ADHD because we tend to come up with very elaborate plans for like, this is how we're going to do the thing, right? And it's going to be, this is our routine and it's perfect. And we'll stick to it for a few weeks, if a few months. And then there comes a point where it loses its mojo, right? Like it completely loses its juice and we just get bored with it and we can't go back to it. And then all of a sudden, like, we just don't have that practice anymore. And so for folks with ADHD, it's really important to remember that you get to create variety in every single practice that you do. So your daily meditation practice doesn't have to be the same every single day. Your workouts don't have to be the same every single day. And your manifestation practice doesn't have to be the same every day. Um, right now, my manifestation practice, do you want me to share what it is? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I have, I have a practice for high vibe days where I'm like connected to my higher self. And like, I really believe in all the things that are coming. And then hmm. I also have a, a practice that's for low vibrational days where I'm kind of connected to my shadow self. I feel kind of crappy and like, you know, believing in this higher power is just kind of a reach for me. <laughs> and so on high vibe days, what I'll do is I'll make a list of everything that I'm calling into my life, you know, in all different categories from love life to money to, you know, spending time with family to my home. Um, I'll then go through and kind of position myself as future me and assess like what beliefs does future me have for any of this to be true? For any of this to come into my life and be in my life, like what do I firmly have to believe? And so I create this whole inventory of the belief systems and I will then go through and audit which beliefs I actually am very uncomfortable with today. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with those beliefs, like as I'm like, okay, well, this is really uncomfortable for me. Um, I'll then go and make a list for each, each belief that I don't believe right now. And really make another list of what's the evidence that this is already true in my life. Mm. And then I'd like to tie it all together with gratitude for <laughs> any questions on that. <laughs> no, I, no, I, no, it's kind of involved for, <laughs> yeah. for low vibrational days, you know, where I'm kind of feeling not myself or not in my power. What I like to do is just set a timer for 10 minutes and make a list of everything that I'm holding shame around. And I like to approach it that way because I think for a lot of people, when you start journaling, um, you can kind of go down like this downward spiral of like all the things you're that are going wrong in your life and all the things you're sad about. But if you if you frame it up as like, here's what I'm holding shame around, you're addressing that it's not necessarily true. It's just something that you have shame around. And just mm -hmm. like Brene Brown says, you know, shame only exi exists in the shadows. It can't exist when you flash a light on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I go through and I'll, I'll um, really assess where I'm holding shame. Um, after 10 minutes is up, I'll go through and kind of find the common themes throughout all this stuff. And I'm not sure. Are you familiar with EMDR, uh, PTSD treatment? Uh, I'm, I've heard of it, but I'm not 
totally familiar with it. Now. Yeah. So it's basically, it's a tapping practice. It's something that my therapist taught me. Um, and I will go through and I will tap through, you know, different emotions that come up. Um, and I will, I'll then after I've kind of like processed the emotion, because processing emotion is very different from intellectualizing the emotion of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I've just recently discovered this in like the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, so once I process through that, I'll really try to go and reframe the different beliefs, uh-huh. you know, because here's the thing about manifestation. We can try to manifest a million dollars all we want, but if we don't believe it's coming to us, it's not going to come to us, yeah. you know? You're training for a marathon, but you don't believe you can run a marathon. You're never running a marathon. Yeah, interesting. Um, so around money, well, actually, mm-hmm. one thing you mentioned is processing emotions. I've heard mm-hmm. that term, and um, what what is like what what does that mean? What does that entail? What does it feel like? I'm just I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah. So like the difference between processing emotion and intellectualizing emotion. So like maybe. Um, you had a friend from high school who like stopped being your friend at some point. And, you know, to make sense of it, you intellectualize it. You're like, oh, well, maybe like, you know, we had different interests or maybe they were jealous or this happened or that happened. You kind of like make up a story in your head to make sense of it. That's not actually processing the emotion of like the grief of losing a friendship. Right. And Mm -hmm. so when, when you have emotion in your body that you're not actually letting move through, it just kind of gets bottled up. Mm -hmm. Right. It Mm -hmm. creates all these massive blocks and it basically like you start then adding different belief systems to it and you use it as evidence that like you can't get what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. Friends won't stick around. And, And how we do one thing is how we do everything. So oftentimes like the beliefs we hold around relationships are what we also apply to money. Mm -hmm. Right. So if people won't stick around, money is absolutely not sticking around. Mm -hmm. So instead of intellectualizing it, you want to really focus in on, you know, what was the feeling back then? What's the feeling now? And where do you feel that in your body? You know, is it in Mm -hmm. your chest? Does it feel tight or is it in your gut? Do you feel like kind of sick? And you just want to focus in on what, what's that feeling and what is it now? And what's it doing as you focus in on it? And just notice and like, let whatever sadness comes up, come up, you know, and let it kind of move through you and notice it. And, and depending on, you know, what other tools you have, it could be tapping, it could be dancing. Um, You can absolutely like help move it through, but it's such an important part of the manifestation process. Yeah. Fascinating. One thing is, uh, you know, for this financial motivated community, um, you talked about you healing your relationship with money and mm-hmm. kind of talk about like, you know, the, tra- you don't have to get into detail, but like the trauma and then the beliefs and how you, it sounds like you talked about one thing, which is processing, but you know, how you s- healed your, or healing mm-hmm. your relationship with money. Um, this is very fascinating. Yeah. So there are a bunch of different angles to this and I can't get into all of it because we don't Hmm. have the time. But um, the two big things that I have found to be most transformational for my clients is a Mm -hmm. we have to figure out what your money archetypes are. Like Mm -hmm. what is your operating system when it comes to making decisions around money? Right. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's different. You know, there are eight classic money archetypes and everyone has like a top three that Mm -hmm. kind of work together to help us decide things. Right. So like the archetype of the accumulator, you know, the accumulator operates with money very fearfully. Right. The accumulator Mm. takes great joy in seeing their bank balance grow. But as soon as it stalls out or it stops growing, that like kicks them into this like panic mode Mm. where they instead of instead of like going and trying to make more money, 
they just like start like cutting off expenses, like, you know, everywhere. Um, and it puts them into a further sense of scarcity, mm -hmm. right? So it's really hard to, you know, believe in abundance when you're operating from a place of scarcity. Likewise, yeah. the maverick, which is like the exact opposite of the accumulator, is so comfortable with risk. And I'm a, I'm a maverick. I'm a classic maverick. So we'll like spend a lot of money, like trust that it's going to come back. And we're like the master um, manifestors because like we're just like, okay, cool. Well, I can spend whatever I want and then I'll just figure out how to pay off the credit card this month. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're so good at doing it because we just don't have that emotional baggage that the accumulator has. However, we get ourselves into a different kind of trouble because sometimes we can't always do it. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. now, if yeah. that's how you operate with money, I guarantee throughout your life, you've bumped into other belief systems in the world that have told you that the way you are with money is bad. It hasn't mm -hmm. worked along with, you know, what you've been taught from your family or what society says you should be doing with money. And so that can create trauma in itself, because if you're doing everything wrong, you're putting yourself into danger. That's scary. That means you're not safe, especially with something that, you know, we rely on to live. Um, that yeah. can create its own form of trauma. Now, that's one side of it. Then there's also family trauma around money. Right. Yeah. How like your your ancestors five to seven century or generations ago, what were they doing when it came to money? What like back in the yeah. day? Yeah, back in the day, like five, seven generations. If you were to guess, like what was money like for your family back then? I would say they they probably worked for it or they had a business and they probably they probably just stuffed it on their mattresses. Yeah. I, I mean, they didn't there was nothing I mean, equity probably didn't have access to like equities or probably you just had business businesses or a job is kind mm -hmm. of yeah. That's what yeah. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, their world was very different from our world. Right. Mm -hmm. I know like generations back, my ancestors were dealing with famine and they were leaving mm -hmm. Europe because like bad things were happening to come to the new world with like, you know, like three bucks, you know, in their wallet. And that was it. Mm -hmm. um, if that. And really like there, there's this poverty pride because the human spirit really can't thrive when it believes it's downtrodden. Mm, and so, mm. and so that gets passed down generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And so we create these lives where we have to struggle for every dollar because that's what our ancestors did and they were proud of it. Mm. Right. And so there really has to be a reckoning and acknowledgement of like what has been handed down to me as a model of how to be with money. You know, has it had any trauma on me or created trauma in me? And mm -hmm. if there has like, you know, separating it from myself and really starting the healing process. And oftentimes, you know, my clients who start with me and we start this work, they end up like also need to, needing to do therapy alongside it because it also the trauma that's related to money is usually trauma that's related to relationships as well. Yeah. So. Fascinating. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you know, ancestors, you know, grew up, you know, like there's wars and um, yeah. you know, they had to flee countries. And so that's why, you know, they came here and then then uh basically they were just basically you know hoarder save um and because that's their model and then right. now our generation is like oh we have access to information you know we have access to public markets really easy mm -hmm. and, uh, but then it's like the older generations like oh pension social security you know <laughs> um, well and also like you go into you go into gender i mean my mom you know came of age during a time where she wasn't allowed to own a credit mm. card without a male family member mm. signing off on it yeah you know her mother 
you know, like had very little rights when it came to finances, you know, in comparison to her husband. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of trauma that women actually have to overcome generationally because that's mm. what we've been taught about money from our mothers and our grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus what yeah. men learn about what what they're capable with when it comes to money. Mm. Yeah. So it's really complicated. A lot of stuff goes into it. And I, I can't say I've ever had two clients that are exactly the same and how they deal with money. Yeah, really fascinating subject. Uh, I love, you know, this this idea of like many, oh, sorry, money manifestation or also, you know, relationships. Um, how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, check out your work? You know, really interesting, you know, mindset session here um, and uh, how they can check out your work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anyone is curious about the work that I do with um, money mindset and business strategy for ADHDpreneurs, I recommend just emailing me. It's katie at katie. And then if you're interested in hearing more about what I talk about in regards to ADHD entrepreneurs um, running a business and dealing with their money mindset, I actually have my own podcast. It's called The Weenie Cast. Uh, My whole tagline is stop being a weenie and start your business already. Um, And if you go to weeniecast.com, you can check that out there. Yeah. Really interesting. I really this I really learned a lot from the session, and I'm sure the audience out there will as well. And um, you know, all of Katie's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to you know reach out to her, follow her on socials. And uh, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's been a delight to be here. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and. What do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.